Well, I've started doing um doing a podcast for the NHS. Oh yeah. As a voluntary a voluntary thing. There were some people who wanted to do some like tips on staying sane for doctors. So I'm helping them with that. Is that friends of Lara? No, no, it's um completely it's been put together by the Duke's Club, which is the UK and Ireland Society for the Training of Colorectal Surgeons. So an organization close to wow. my heart and indeed arse. Were you network <laughs> were you networking then when you went and had your arse inspected? <laughs> Absolutely, yes. Did you did you surreptitiously surreptitiously place a business card up your arse? <laughs> I did. Yes, it gave a whole new meaning to uh, pressing the flesh. <laughs> <laughs> oh what's this I can, oh, let me just pull it oh business card very good sir yeah so we'll get in touch with you I like a creative pitch <laughs> be good if you could shoot it out like a magician flicking cards <laughs> like, like, like a Thai businesswoman <laughs> well how long did it take us to get back to people bending over and shooting things out of their arse a long week Christ. It's been a long week, and we both work with quite with professional people who, <laughs> and or children who don't appreciate this. Despite being masters of them. Yeah, well, absolutely, yes. <laughs> Hello and welcome to That Was Genius, the little history podcast in which Tom, who's the other man over there, Hello, sounding like a very elderly English gentleman, the man who stiff <laughs> up a lip and a twiddly ah. moustache. No coronavirus isn't going to get me. Yes. And me, Sam, who sounds like a fragile snowflake millennial. through the poor war. <laughs> Discuss history topics on a theme each week. We decide the topic the week in advance, although this time we didn't really want to do it, but the audience demanded. And everything else that happens is a, a yeah. surprise. And what is the topic we didn't really want to do, Tom? Why, it's pandemics, isn't it, Sam? It's pandemics. Everyone wanted it, you know. But we didn't want to be too cliche, did we? But um, we did. In the end, but there we go. People were battering down our front doors, weren't they, Sam? Absolutely, yes. <laughs> they were. They and were knock, knocking at the back doors as well. Knocking at the back doors, <laughs> upstairs, downstairs. Yes, there were marches. There were protests. Uh, the police have been setting up checkpoints, partially to swab people and partially to demand yep. that they sign the petition saying that was genius. You must do historic pandemics must absolutely must do pandemic so we eventually gave in largely because we're democratic individuals aren't we yes and partly because and we're lazy <laughs> it saved us the effort <laughs> couldn't be bothered <laughs> couldn't be bothered thinking up a, a topic ourselves absolutely um yeah and thank you also we've had more audience interactions this week haven't we we have it went a bit quiet for a yes, while presumably because you all had coronavirus not just because you don't want to talk to us anymore yeah <laughs> lots of coughing <laughs> yeah lots of messages sent to us and just <clears throat> <laughs> yeah <coughs> Absolutely, yes. Lots of dry coughs and uh, lots of people complain that they can't taste anything anymore. I mean, if you had taste to begin with, you wouldn't be listening to this podcast. You'd be listening to Dan Carlin. <laughs> Hold on. I'm laughing at that like it was a great joke, but it was incredibly insulting. <laughs> <laughs> she can do both. <laughs> what have people said to us? We, we had Mango Man kindly um, explained why you were right about pumpkin being a fruit. Thank you, Mango yep, Man. Absolutely. Thank you, Mango Man. I I will take my victory gregariously and without making too fine a, a point of it. <laughs> I'm gonna start chanting Tom your shit. <laughs> and you know you are. <laughs> uh, I don't need to do that. You already know you are. <laughs> you don't 
We also had Eric Brubaker from Seattle in Washington who uh, messaged us on Facebook saying, love the podcast. He's binged them all the way through from the beginning. I think he found us from History Impossible. Yes, he did, which is a podcast who we crossed promos with a little while ago. Very good podcast. Go check it out once you've, uh, once you've uh, listened to us. Whoa, 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 whoa. Are we getting anything back from that? Uh, well, uh, actually, the guy who presented it said something very nice about us on Facebook the other day in a history podcasting group. Thank you, Alexander. So, uh, so yeah. All right, fine. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a capitalist, Sam. <laughs> I know you I are. I ain't giving nothing out for free. <laughs> it's got a terrifying peek into your marriage there. <laughs> so, yes, I mean, uh, Eric also had some suggestions for future topics as well, but we all, uh, we'll come on to those later, I think. Didn't we have... I, I thought I read somewhere that someone had recommended when in doubt doing Indian accent, but I couldn't find that. Was that on Facebook? That, I think, was on Twitter. Oh, no, it was a review that someone left us on iTunes. Yes. <laughs> That's right. Yes, well done. Yeah, that was it was a review. That's why it came through on my email. Yes, fantastic. When in doubt, do an Indian accent. Uh, don't. It's very true. <laughs> Sam, you're such a disappointment to your family. You know, your mother is so ashamed. That is wonderful. It's such a shame that none of it's going to make the cut. <laughs> <laughs> For the audience, there was a good solid 30-second stream of Bum, bum slash deli riddled innuendo. <laughs> <laughs> Done in a, in, a, in a rather bad Abu accent. But not bad enough that I could pass it off as Romanian this time, like we did last time. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, you've been practising, which was, means that it can't make the cut. <laughs> it was definitely an attempt at an Indian accent. <laughs> Ah, uh, we'll see. I'm on. I'm on the whiskey tonight, so who knows what? Who knows what kind of accents will come out later? Might <laughs> even get a share again. Um, um, oh Christ, you're on the whiskey. Yes, I'm double parked tonight. I've got a whiskey and a beer. Whiskey and a beer. It's been a long day. Have you got like a Ponzi um, niche whiskey? Well, <laughs> of course I do. You know I do. I wear band t-shirts. <laughs> you know where this is going. You know who I am. <laughs> yes, I have a. Yes, I've, I've got a thinking, wanky whiskey I, collection. I, I thought there'd be a limit to your cliche. Come on. <laughs> how many whiskey how many whiskeys have you got then? I have nine whiskeys on the go. No, I don't think I've, don't think I've ever even had one. Nobody really likes them. I, that doesn't surprise me. I don't think I've ever liked a spirit in my life. No. Apart from obviously our Lord Jesus the Christ. Ghosty ones. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Our Lord Jesus Christ, by the way, is uh, is an artisanal rum. <laughs> right. Who's going first? I'm going to go first this week. Fuck it, I'm not going to flip anything. I was going to bring up a box of paracetamol. Oh, jeez, the whiskey but, is strong. Uh, <laughs> did you say the whiskey is strong? Yeah, crikey, that was very... You, you could smell it over the microphone. That was unlike you. you smell it over the <laughs> microphone. <laughs> yeah. No, well, I was going to bring up a, a box of paracetamol to flip, and then I completely forgot, and frankly, time's marching on, so I'm just going to go first. <laughs> Go for it. I like that. I like this new assertive Sam. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes. It's Sam who gets two, jobs done. Two units of alcohol. I'm suddenly an alpha. <laughs> like a silverback gorilla. <laughs> who like likes a, poetry? The podcast Churchill. It just. <laughs> I'm, I'm happy as Larry with this. I like taking the back seat. <laughs> I forgot to ask you how your research was, Tom. Two weeks on the trot. I'm doing some serious history, Sam. Oh, interesting. Uh, but then next week, what I think I will do is find a silly source again. Excellent. In fact, I have one lined up. Oh, you've, um, got, a, you've got a topic <laughs> that you need to try and force us towards. <laughs> yeah, I need... Yeah, exactly. 
<laughs> a little bit like a little bit like a Scrabble player just trying to squeeze out some letters. <laughs> um, I yes, I will be trying to choose a topic that will allow me to uh, pick this source. I could have almost done it this week, um, but I didn't think I would do it justice, so I've left it still in my back pocket. Excellent. In a hot take, in a, a bizarre twist, I've actually got some almost serious history today. Fuck off. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, I say this, what I've actually got is some actually quite serious psychology with a funny okay. history story wrapped around it. Mm. Yes. Okay. And I've also, I've, I've, so, I've carefully engineered this so that we've got a chance to bring out an old favourite classic uh, impression, Tom. So I hope you've got some water. <laughs> oh, come again. Yes. <laughs> da, 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 da. <laughs> yes, we're bringing back the Count from Sesame Street. Ah, <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, whoever, whoever gave that review on iTunes... Look what you've done. You've just enabled a racist. I hope you're proud of yourself. <laughs> enabled a racist. Oh, dear. Honestly. I'm not the racist here, Sam. Racism is about treating people differently based on their race. I do stupid French accents, stupid Indian accents. <laughs> stupid. I'm not so keen on the... African accents I think that's a bit oh I see so someone has a self-imposed limit do they <laughs> so, so someone's morality goes as far as I'm going to do the accents I want to do <laughs> at which point after that point everyone's a racist oh yeah, so let's start. Let's do some history and or psychology. Again, fucking incredible leadership skills. I'm with you. <laughs> yes. Look at me go. Look at me lead. We're still 20 minutes in. But... <laughs> Fuck it. Where, <laughs> where are the Germans? Let's go for it. Come on. <laughs> Out of the boat. I'm following you, Sam. You lead the way. Yes, absolutely. I'm like <laughs> Mad Jack with a sword up the beaches, up um, Gold Beach or whichever one he was on. Right. Today, Tom, I've got that. that's need some context I'm not going to give it because I want to get it moving I think that's which one was that was that number episode 2 oh I don't know but it's quite Three, well known four. Mad Jack whatever his name was the British officer who stormed Normandy with a sword umbrella with a, clay, with a claymore <laughs> instead of... <laughs> with an umbrella and a bowler hat <laughs> and you know what I discovered the other day there is a regiment in the British army for lawyers is it? Yeah, the Inns of Court Regiment. There Fuck you go. Fuck me. Can you, can you imagine trying to get them onto the beaches in Normandy? <laughs> I, I think we'll find you were the first on the boat, and thus you should be the first off the boat, according to uh, according to the agreement we set out two weeks objection, ago. Objection! Objection! <laughs> Fucking argumentative, aren't they? Absolutely. Charge 80 quid just for getting on the boat as well. Right. <laughs> and everyone that gets shot around them, they stop to check if they've got a will. <laughs> just sprinting <laughs> after ambulances. <laughs> geezerish ones at the back of the boat (laughs) have you been a lawyer where the fuck did you study law (laughs) Croydon Croydon Polytechnic (laughs) the internet (laughs) have you been injured in a beach assault that wasn't your fault you could be entitled to compensation (laughs) today Tom I've got something that's a bit silly but I just want to... I'm bleeding to death. Well, just should put that aside for a moment. I think we could get you some money. <laughs> As the stookers rain down from above, where there's a plane, there's a claim. <laughs> <laughs> 
Right, Tom, today I'm going to talk about something that's a bit silly, but it's a very real phenomenon that still happens today. And in 500 plus years, we've still not actually quite worked out how it works, which I thought was pretty cool. And the clitoris. <laughs> no, no further comment, Your Honour. <laughs> and I picked this topic very specifically because... Um, because sorry, I did a little whiskey burp there. Excuse <clears throat> uh, So I picked this. I picked this story very specifically because a similar topic was covered in an episode of House, the hit TV drama, which is good, isn't it, Tom? Because it gives you a chance to do your one and only impression. Bothering, bothering, bother, Blackadder. Absolutely, the great, the one and only Hugh Laurie. Hugh Laurie. Mm. Yes. Did he go to Cambridge? He may well have gone to Cambridge. He was certainly Oxbridge, wasn't Oh, he? yeah, he was definitely Footlights. He was Cambridge through and through. Cambridge through and through. Yeah, absolutely. He took place in the Oxford-Cambridge uh, Oxford boat race. Oh, did he? I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah very, it's very talent, irritatingly talented. talented yes, he's a superb musician as well. Yeah. He's an amazing blues album. Talking of sickeningly talented, I need you to do me a favour. I need you to say something for me in Hugh's voice. Which is okay. going to be tricky, as I suspect, possibly, you could only say, say bothering, bothering, bothering Blackadder. Blackadder. <laughs> <laughs> Which I stumbled across, I don't know how, but I stumbled across the fact that I could make that sound just about like Hugh Laurie. <laughs> We're going to try this anyway, and it's very unfair of me putting you on the spot so early. No, God no. Because I need I'd you to like say... Like say, Sam, the amount of leadership you've dis- displayed so far, <laughs> I would streak naked through the village of Barbara right now, if you ask me to do so. <laughs> Well, fortunately, Tom, and for the people of the village of Bathroom, all I need you to say in Hugh Laurie's voice, if you can, is mass psychogenic illness. Or, if that's a bit tricky, <clears throat> collective obsessional behaviour. Crikey, which one was hard? What was the first one? Mass psychogenic illness. Mass psychogenic illness? Very good. 10 out of 10. One? Collective obsessional behaviour, Blackadder. Collective obsessional behaviour, Blackadder? Perfect. I'm, oh, I'm genuinely <laughs> impressed. Oh, thank you. Well, that's, that, that was an It appears I can do a Chulori impression. <laughs> yeah, and as I said, this is a topic that was covered in House one episode, and I think it was set on a plane. I can't remember. I saw it ages ago. But it's a real uh, psychological phenomenon that I'm talking about today. And being well, with the next bit of my notes is apart from being very difficult to say in Hugh Laurie's voice but clearly not <laughs> hey talents I didn't realise I had absolutely you flummoxed my notes already so this is a condition whereby a lot of people in close proximity so as part of one community start exhibiting the same symptoms of illness or madness and they do it because someone else in the group does it so it becomes uh, it becomes a literal psychological God, pandemic I think of Anything that people have done recently that could fall into that category. Absolutely, he says, sitting on a throne of toilet roll. No, I can't think of... <laughs> literally nothing springs to mind at With all. hands so dry that they're bleeding. <laughs> yes. <laughs> literally, my, knuckle, baked, my knuckles are raw. Having baked enough bread to feed the Russian army. <laughs> I, I can't think of any examples. No. No, prescient, right? <laughs> Today, Tom, in my history story, I'm going to talk about a week ago. And <laughs> yeah. uh, well sometimes it is just a behavioural phenomenon and uh, people will go and do silly strange things like buying toilet roll but sometimes it's you said phenomenon I did <laughs> no I've just said it now <laughs> shit <laughs> 
And sometimes people can get genuinely ill with uh, vomiting, fever, or even rashes. Psychologically, people can convince their body to give them a rash. They aren't actually ill. They're just in a mental place where their brain makes them behave as if they are. It's really, really genuinely odd. And it, I can believe that, though. I can believe the, yeah, the yeah. mind over body thing there. Yep, if you believe you're ill, your body will make you f- will start to show symptoms. Absolutely. Uh, so they aren't actually diagnosably ill. They're just in a mental place where their brain makes them behave like they are. Uh, it, On the same principle, Sam, I used to be ugly, but I just kept convincing myself I was good looking. And before you know it, bang. For people, there you are. Bang. A, like, I'm like, I'm like a, George Clooney. A face that could present podcasts. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm like George Clooney, just with a bigger nose. You are like a Roman George Clooney. And a receding hairline. Yeah, I'm like a Roman George Clooney. George Clooneyus. I'd look great on the side of a coin. <laughs> have to be a slightly lopsided coin to fit my nose in. Profile, <laughs> it it but... would, yeah. Shaped roughly the roughly like a prehistoric axe head. <laughs> a little harsh. It would appeal. A little harsh. <laughs> It would appear that it would appear that this coin has been clipped. You see, what used to happen is people would clip a little bit of the coin and melt it down. No, 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 no. That's just Emperor Tom. He had a big nose. <laughs> yeah. The coins were shaped that way, <laughs> and no one in the Roman Empire forgot it because <laughs> the coins had kept poking them in the leg poking whenever they in kept the them in their pocket. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone had very holy trousers when Tom was emperor. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, so mass psychogenic illness tends to be triggered by high stress but very repetitive situations. So kind of a, a, a stress that comes along every day, every day, every day, every day, every day. So it could be the news, for example, with the with coronavirus like we're having at the moment. Hearing the same bad news every day can trigger this kind of reaction. So for example, in April 1954, Seattle was hit by a absolutely bonkers phenomenon called the Seattle windshield pitting epidemic. <laughs> Wow, windshield pitting epidemic. Eric, were you part of this? What? Eric's from Seattle, isn't he? Oh, he is, yes. yes. Probably not that old. He'd have to be in the 70s. Oh, sorry, no. Eric, yes, Eric, who we mentioned just a moment ago. Yes, absolutely, yeah. 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 No, not Eric Idle. (laughs) (laughs) I thought that was where you were going. I wasn't quite sure. But yes, Eric from Seattle, your city... Your fair city a few decades ago. Solely responsible for this. Yeah, this is your bloody fault. (laughs) Was hit by the Seattle. That's the only person we know who lives in Seattle. Yeah. (laughs) God, that was a big gulp. Was that your whiskey? No, I'm on the beer now. I finished the whiskey. (laughs) We're motoring through this. I'm going to be absolutely mullered by the time you start talking. (laughs) The whiskey was so disgusting. You're washing it down with beer. It's not even good beer. It's commitment. You show brand supermarket lager from Aldi. There's a budget brand supermarket in the UK. So, so yes, the windshield pitting... Arsberg. Top. I've got, <laughs> oh, God, I've got two off. pages of notes and I'm a quarter of the way down the first page. <laughs> so, yes, the... Farting C- Black Label. <laughs> <laughs> what was the one we always used to drink at university? They sponsored a load of football tickets. Frosty Jack Cider. That was the one. Mm. <laughs> Frosty Jack. Proudly brewed in Birmingham, a city which famously, if you've watched Peaky Blinders, has no fucking trees, <laughs> let alone apple trees. Iceland apparently doesn't have very many trees. No, that's true, but Iceland isn't known for its cider. <laughs> but it's not... My, I don't know what your point frosty. is. <laughs> it's from... No, Greenland's frosty. Iceland's rocky. Anyway, right, going on. So the Seattle windshield pitting <laughs> epidemic of April 1954 
was a bizarre phenomenon in which people became convinced that their car windshields, their windows and the garage doors of their houses were being hit by millions of tiny unseen particles causing little dents. And it started in one street in the suburb of Bellingham and quickly spread to nearby towns and suburbs and eventually hit the city centre of Seattle. In effect, thousands of people came to believe that their communities were being sandblasted. Right. In fact, some people were even convinced that they could see tiny particles of glass being blasted through the air at incredible speeds. Absolutely bizarre. Now, initially, it was theorised that the damage was just kids playing with BB guns. In fact, that's likely how all of this started. But pretty quickly, people and even the police came to believe that it could be the result of possibly nuclear testing fallout, uh, possibly a nearby million watt radio tower, which could be literally melting bits off the glass of people's windows. Uh, it's possibly wow. cosmic rays, or it was possibly a plague of sand fleas, which are tiny little creatures that create a kind of silicon ball around themselves to protect themselves. Over 3,000 reports of damage were filed with police over the course of just a couple of weeks. Basically, people's houses being attacked by balls of sand. But here's the thing, Tom. <laughs> 19... Balls. <laughs> sandy balls. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but here's the thing. 95% of the cases that the police investigated never happened. There was God no damn. hitting. They were just imagining it. The remaining 5% were deemed to be kids with BB guns who were shooting things just to whip up more hysteria because it was funny. Because they were shit-stirring, yeah. Because they were shit-stirring, yeah. But 95% of it was purely imagined on the, on, on the part of the victims. And as soon as the results of this investigation were announced on April 17th, the pitting miraculously stopped in a single day. It was like, it was like a, a light switch had been turned on and the mass hallucination was broken. And this was in 1954. Now, in 1972, an unnamed university in the Midwest, I don't know why it's unnamed, but it, its name is never given in the three or four sources that I looked at to try and find its name. Around a dozen women working in a data centre at a university in a Midwestern town reported smelling gas. Only one employee couldn't smell it. So inspectors were obviously well. called in. <laughs> Oh, then, we all know who it no, was. It was fine. Then, no, don't there's, we? A pun, there's a there's a pun coming because the name of the okay. the name of the book about this is su suitable. <laughs> um, but yeah, but yes, she who it was the obvious she joke. who smelt it. Or she she no, it was she who didn't smell it. Dealt it. Dealt it. Yeah. She who said the rhyme did the crime. Did the crime. Yeah. yeah. So, so gas inspectors were called in and they found nothing. They couldn't smell anything. There was no sign of gas leaks. There was no sign that there had ever been any problem at all. And the phenomenon is detailed in a book by Sidney M. Stahl and Morty Lebedoon with the completely unfunny name, Tom, Mystery Gas. <laughs> An analysis of mass hysteria. Mystery Gas. Indeed. Who did smell it, Tom? And who did deal it? Hmm? These are the questions that we will answer in the next 200 pages. <laughs> yes. Page one. It was a sunny afternoon in an unnamed Midwestern town. In the cafeteria, cauliflower cheese with burritos was being <laughs> served. <laughs> well, that side of cabbages. <laughs> it was German day. Sauerkraut <laughs> was on the menu. 
in the air-conditioned data centre with no windows. <laughs> Fat Sally was feeling rather bloated. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Whilst hungry Mabel had an... A- Could it be her? <laughs> so, and, and likewise, in Malaysia, <laughs> they fart as well. It's a- <laughs> Did they? Yeah. They fart in Malaysia? All over the world. Farting all over the world, although it's more lactose intolerance over there. That was the status quo hit, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Guessing all over the world. And here we go, and here we go, and go again. Fletcher. <laughs> in Malaysia, it's common for women working in factories to experience... To fart. <laughs> to fart, yes. <laughs> in fact, it's encouraged. Yes. <laughs> it's thought to be good luck. Absolutely. And if you've ever seen Miss Saigon, you'll know from the famous song... <laughs> Red wind, that <laughs> employee employers go out of their way to find flatulent females because it's such good luck. Absolutely, yes. In fact, it's supposed to be a key part of the leather tanning process. <laughs> <laughs> you just spit your water out. Almost. <laughs> I heard it's like bubbling from your end there. I heard it's like bubbling from Malaysia, actually. <laughs> so, so, so in Malaysia, it's common for women working in factories to experience uh, mass nausea, dizziness, and even unconsciousness. It's a phenomenon which, even until the mid-1980s, was treated actually very effectively and successfully by sending in either a witch doctor or a faith healer to exorcise the factory floor. George and Michael. The- <laughs> George Michael, yeah. Oh, uh, Yes. <laughs> Now, do I? I don't know George Michael well enough to make a textile-related Malaysian George Michael pun, but I get the feeling you do. <laughs> I don't, but I, I now feel like I would disappoint if I didn't come up with something. <laughs> you go, you go googling. I'll carry on talking. So, in one case okay. in the early eighties, three hundred women at a textile factory became nauseous and covered in rashes, all within the space of a day. Initially, they thought it was a chemical textile dye. But nope, it was entirely psychological. So what causes all of this? Well, there is one thing in common, Tom, and that is... <coughs> oh, go on. You can edit this bit in it in earlier. No, no, uh, we're doing it live. Cashmere Whisper. Just awful. Uh, no? Okay. <laughs> I, knew, I knew Wool was waiting. Almost better. Right, okay, I'm joining, I'm joining in with this. There's got to be better. Can't make you weave me. Uh, <laughs> you can't let you weave me. That just sounds like you've got a speech impediment. <laughs> Hold on. Wake me up before you so so. Oh, there we go. There we go. <laughs> that was it. That's the one we were looking for. Nice. <laughs> Beautiful. That's the right. So, what causes these bizarre phenomena that I've spent 25 minutes trying to talk about? Well, Tom, there's one thing in common, and that is a common community stress in a very tightly knit group of people often it's no, not see what you did there. at all related to the, not intentional often not at all related to the hysteria in seattle for example in the seattle case the hysteria was blamed on stress caused by the ramping up of the cold war and everyone was starting to do nuclear testing so nuclear weapons were very much on people's minds and everyone, what, everyone in seattle literally was. everyone in seattle in the back garden yep <laughs> If you couldn't, yeah, you get mocked if you couldn't afford a bomb. <laughs> no bomb, Barry had no mates. I'm testing. <laughs> no bomb, Barry. I don't think I've ever interrupted you as frequently as I have this episode so far. No, you're doing well. <laughs> Luckily, I'm drunk, so it's washing over me. It's just a wave. <laughs> it's like talking on the phone to my grandma. <laughs> you're a disgrace, Sam. What did you do? <laughs> 
So in Seattle, everyone was very worried about the ramping up of the Cold War. I'm determined to get fucking through this. Nuclear <laughs> testing and impending wars in the Far East. And this was particularly true among those who had fought in World War II, who now lived in the relative professional comfort of suburbia and were watching on, which is where obviously the pandemic started, and were watching on with increasing worry as the world around them seemed likely to crumble into war once again. So that's where that one came from. In the university case, the employees who smelt gas were almost all women. They were working minimum wage jobs in this data centre whilst trying to support their partners who by and large were studying for unpaid postgraduate qualifications or PhDs. So they had a lot of financial stress and a lot of relationship Mm. stress going on. And in Malaysia, you've got women who are working very long hours for an absolute pittance of a wage whilst trying to support their families. So these are groups and communities who are pretty fragile. And as soon as one snaps, the entire house of cards fall down and they all snap and exhibit similar symptoms at the same time. So that, in very long-winded form, is the background, Tom. And it's very interesting, I think you'll agree, but it's not very funny, apart from the fart jokes. So... (laughs) So why don't we silly it up a bit Sam's style? And I'll try and keep this one quick because I've got a good historical example of it. And we're heading to the late 1400s in Western Europe for a spate of nuns becoming convinced en masse that they're cats and dogs. Right. (laughs) Yes. Now, the thing about nunneries, Tom, is that they're not much funnery. (laughs) Ha-ha. See what you did there. Yes. I'm slightly ashamed of myself. Places of (laughs) regimented life and solitude where young women, apparently quote-unquote volunteer, but basically they're sent by their families against their will for several years of boredom, homesickness, and a complete inability to explore the world around them. Even by the pretty poxy standards of 15th century fun, it's a boring bloody life. There's no boys, although plenty of other women. There's no parties. There's literally nothing to look forward to. Which is why these days, now that no one is being forced to go to nunneries, no one is. Apart from, obviously, (laughs) Whoopi Goldberg. Weirdos. (laughs) Yeah, just weirdos. (laughs) So, obviously, this is kind of the the period of dancing crazes, which I think we vaguely touched on in this podcast before. A lot of mass hysteria. Which is where Sister Act was actually historically very accurate. Yes, absolutely. Once one person starts singing gospel, everyone else has to. Yeah. And so, in 1491... In the Spanish Netherlands, something very, very odd happened. And this is the first... I'm glad you're talking about the Spanish Netherlands, because I'm going to be explaining the Spanish Netherlands later. Oh, are you? Interesting. It's a weird geographic concept, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yeah. Is your pandemic the Spaniards? Is that what you're doing? You're just in the uncontrolled spread of Mm. Spain? (laughs) Yeah. 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 Otherwise known as Spanish flu, I suppose. Well, yes. (laughs) Yeah. And, or just uh, laziness. Yeah, I was going to make a joke about how it's how it's currently a dormant disease. <laughs> so, so fourteen ninety one in the Spanish Netherlands, something very odd started to happen. A group of nuns, apparently possessed by witches' familiars, so the animals that witches keep as their best friends, who are also homes to Satan, obviously, began to behave like cats and dogs. They were howling, they were climbing trees, and when they got to the top of the tree, they were either throwing themselves off whilst flapping imaginary wings. Because all cats and dogs have wings. Well, birds. Okay, some of them pretending to be birds. Or they were waiting at the top, Tom, to pounce on other nuns. Or, or just to encourage some firemen to turn up. 
Well, Just a bit of fun. Da, 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 da. <laughs> it's the nice men to turn up. Just spice things up a, a little bit. A 15th century stripper. Mm. Oh, I'm a cat. <laughs> oh, I'm stuck up the tree. Oh, and you're a lovely fireman. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to sit up here licking my own ass until a man turns up with a ladder. <laughs> and then I tell you what, he can take my pussy. He really Oh, can. there we go. We all knew it was coming. It was... <laughs> I know, so I decided not to be subtle about it. <laughs> really? Such a, sh- such a change for you. <laughs> I usually call you Subtle Tom. Yep. Barely know he's here, Berry. Tread delicately, Tombo. Yeah, that's you. Some of the nuns started pouring and rolling around in the dirt <laughs> and, and kind of play fighting with each other. As I said, no men, lots of women around. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and presumably began to lick their own or each other's asses. <laughs> so unsurprisingly, when news of this got out, an exorcist was brought in who was apparently sexually propositioned en masse by the nuns. <laughs> God, poor sod. Absolutely. It was a, a surprisingly what long... What did he do? <laughs> well, it was a surprisingly long and hard exorcism, Tom, that one. It oh, was a, yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. took a few days longer than anticipated and much more exhausting yeah. than initially expected. <laughs> yeah, his fortunes kept fluctuating. One minute he was making his progress, next minute he was coming out again, then he was making a bit of progress. Yeah, he was just in and, and out back. and in uh, and yeah. out. Absolutely, uh, absolutely. yes. Praying hard all the time. I mean, all you could hear coming from the cloisters was, "Oh God, oh God!" He's prayer, prayer, prayer. That was yeah, yeah. Well, that's what he was telling all the all the nuns to do. He said, "Just get on the floor and pray." Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'll stand behind you and make sure you're doing it right. Mm Hmm. Very difficult job. I I do hope he charged the abbot double for all of his efforts. So, so around the same time as this was happening at a nunnery in France, unfortunately, a, a bizarre. It seems to be a bizarre thing here that getting the actual names of places is very difficult. I don't know where the nunnery was. For some reason, it's not this mentioned makes somewhere up. Absolutely, Make yeah. up a French name and um, and Montbaguet. The- yeah, <laughs> very steep mountain. Yeah, absolutely. With a volcanic mountain, it's got a thick crust. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know why it's not mentioned, but um, apart from being a large French nunnery, is, is all the sources mentioned. So at this one large French nunnery, one of the senior sisters began at the same time every day for no reason whatsoever to meow. Now, mm. initially, this was just for a brief period when she wanted some kibble, presumably, or wanted to be let in and then immediately out again. But pretty quickly, it became a regular occurrence for several hours a day. And other sisters began joining in. Pretty quickly, the entire convent was meowing for several hours like clockwork every day, which unsurprisingly freaked the fuck out of the nearby townspeople (laughs) as the screeching and catawalling echoed over the rooftops. Obviously, they thought it was a satanic possession and it scared them to the extent that the army had to be brought in armed with sticks and barricade the front entrance to the nunnery. Amazingly although not entirely surprisingly, as soon as the army threatened to beat the shit out of the nuns until they stopped that bloody racket, almost immediately Satan left the nuns <laughs> and they stopped meowing. Or, or the nuns got what they actually secretly wanted. Which was a whole load of soldiers with big hard sticks. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. They're actually just with randy a, young females. With film baguettes. <laughs> They had heard about what had happened to the exorcist in uh, the Spanish Netherlands and thought, ah, 
how can we get a small boy to come around here? Not a, well, not a small boy, a, a seasoned uh, a large exos, man. A large man, <laughs> yes. <laughs> we have been reading the ancient scrolls of Magic Mike. <laughs> And, Saint, uh, Saint Magic Michel. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and again, it's a similar time to this. So all around the kind of for, beginning of the 1490s. And unfortunately, there is a, an original source which does describe this, but there's no English translation of it. It's all in German. And uh, my middle German isn't good enough to be able to read it. <laughs> just, <laughs> I can just about read a menu. <laughs> there was a similar occurrence in Germany where... One particular nunnery, somewhere in probably Saxony, possibly Brandenburg, saw the nuns start to bark like dogs and obsessively bite each other. The nuns the nuns would latch on to one another's arms for prolonged periods of time, which presumably made praying quite difficult, and would only release their jaws once they got too tired... And they would start again once they were adequately rested. So they would be nibbling on each other all day, every day, until one of them got too tired, had a nap, and then woke up and started biting her friends again. They're not being fed. <laughs> well, quite. Maybe that was it. Maybe there was just a period of starvation. <laughs> <laughs> Called the Middle Ages. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, maybe they just really needed some protein. <laughs> um, but bizarrely, as news of this spread... The disease spread as well. So as news of it got from one nunnery to another, nuns began biting nuns in other places. And pretty soon, this was a full-on epidemic which had spread all the way through Germany, had spread into France, had spread into the Netherlands again, and even made it as far as Rome and the Vatican. The biting nun syndrome. Which I imagine must be a bit like that scene in Father Ted where Dougal's so hungry that Ted starts to look like a magic-speaking burger. (laughs) 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 To be fair, I can imagine that in all that white and gold, the Pope probably looked a bit like a Magnum or a Mr. Whippy. So, (laughs) ah, go on, just have a little nibble. Just a little nibble of the Pope. (laughs) Of the Pippal Ice Lolly. (laughs) How many Catholic priests do you reckon had the nickname Mr. Whippy? (laughs) Not as many as had the nickname Mr. Tickle. Yeah, Mr. Whippy's a strange Mr. Man, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, the leather-bound one. <laughs> Mr. Whippy's in his cellar again. What's he doing, children? <laughs> He's doing some DIY. He appears to be making something out of wood. Is it a rack? That, look- <laughs> that looks like little Miss Dildo. <laughs> What's she doing? I think you'll find it looks like Big Mr. Dildo. <laughs> <laughs> she's going she's going in and out and in and out of Mrs. Smiley's back door. <laughs> What's she Miss- doing in there? <laughs> Mr. Buttplug has knocked on the door. <laughs> Mr. Buttplug isn't welcome, but he's forcing his way in. <laughs> Mr. Buttplug is standing in the <laughs> standing in the doorway. So nothing else can get in or out. <laughs> anyway, so after after a couple of weeks, the uh, the biting pandemic died down and everything returned to normal. But there we go, Tom. The meowing and biting nuns of the 1490s, a story which is bizarrely but very accurately connected to smelling gas in the 1970s and a broken windshield in Seattle. There we go. 
Fuck me, are we going to do this episode in two parts? Well, fuck it, we could just do a really long episode, <laughs> why not? I'm Tommy three pages, I'm Tommy four pages today. Oh Christ, well it might be two episodes. I think it's going to be part one and part two edition here, isn't it? Excellent. Anyway, right, so uh, my turn. Uh, this week I wanted to draw the attention of listeners to how shit and miserable some periods of history were. And you've kind of... <laughs> 2020 is turning out pretty well. (laughs) You've given us a good insight into what life was like in the 1490s for some females who were forced to um, live in in nunneries. Yes, and indeed uh, Malaysian factory workers in the 70s and 80s. Yeah. In fact, most periods in history were quite shit. Mm. In fact, all periods of history were shit in comparison to life in civilised countries since Second World War, really, aren't they? They're they're all a bit naff. We've got nothing really um, to complain about. No. Um, and through the power of contrast, I hope, just to make everyone feel much better about their predicament. Go on. That sounds, that sounds brilliant. On that subject, the predicted deaths from coronavirus are very large. There's an uplifting sentence. Um, <laughs> but compared to, pandemics <laughs> from, hey, <laughs> compared to pandemics from the past, it's predicted to kill only a very small percentage of the population. Now, obviously, this will be a no consolation. So stop whinging. <laughs> yes, I was going to qualify this with, obviously, anyone who's lost a loved one due to coronavirus, it's still a horrible thing, absolutely. And many still will lose loved ones to coronavirus if estimates are correct. It's just an objective um, attempt to put the coronavirus in its historic context of pandemics. So I mentioned that coronavirus is only predicted to kill a small percentage of the population. A very, worst ca- very, very worst case scenario is that it would kill 1% of the population and that was a figure that was being bandied around quite early on, wasn't it? Maybe three or four weeks ago. Mm, yes. and it turns out it's, it's nowhere. It's, it's unlikely to be anywhere near one percent of the population. For the UK, though, using that as an example, with a population of sixty-six million, that would be six hundred and sixty thousand people, which is a massive number. A huge number. Um, that's uh, that's more than were killed in World War Two, Brits. I think. It's exactly what I was going to say. Ah. It's an interesting comparison. The UK lost 450,000 lives in World War II and 67,000 of those were civilian lives. And that was with a population of 47 million compared to 66 million. It looks as if, I mean, the government in the UK is hoping to keep the number of deaths to around 20,000. So um, it's still a massive number. And like we say, I mean, that's compared to 67,000 civilian losses during six years of the Second World War. However... When you look at it in comparison to some of the famous pandemics of the past, um, it really is small. Uh, let's start with a very well-known one. The Spanish flu killed 20 to 50 million people between 1918 and 1920, and estimates vary. Some people would say more, some people would say less than that, um, which would have been a really nice silver lining for those who managed to survive the trenches. Absolutely, yes. And that was in the region of 1% to 3% of the world population. Pretty horrible, isn't it? That's a huge, huge. But that pales into comparison when you when you look at the Black Death that took place between 1346 and 1353. And we have discussed this previously on the episode where I discussed Boccaccio's Decameron. According to some academics, around half the population of Europe died in four years. Half the population of Europe died. It's just incredible. And obviously some areas were hit harder than others, with, um, for example, the Italian city-states being particularly unlucky due to the importance of trade to these cities. It just spread very quickly. Venice, bad. Very bad. And areas that were particularly badly hit, like Venice, lost as many as 80% of the population. 
So yeah. just ridiculous. And there were whole villages wiped out. Istanbul, also bad. Yes, very bad. Well, we're going to come on to Constantinople shortly. Oh, um, Tom, that's the last thing they need is us coming on to them. They've <laughs> suffered enough. It's adding insult to injury, that. <laughs> that's disgusting. Yep. <laughs> and you can possibly cover the whole of Constantinople. You'll have to work very, very, very hard if you were going to really do that properly. The plague would have had to have given you a right hard on. (laughs) That said, worst ways to go, aren't there? (laughs) (laughs) What, being killed of the plague? Being killed of the plague and then wanked on? (laughs) I'm not sure there are worse ways to go, Tom. I think we may just have defined the worst possible way to die. I was thinking of a pandemic in which everyone just got really randy. Oh, I see. Which was my bonavirus joke, which I actually thought was quite good, but you just glossed over. <laughs> oh, I didn't, so even, say it again. I didn't even hear your bonavirus <laughs> joke. I was too wrapped up in myself. Bonavirus, very good. Thank you. And some villages, everyone died. So four or five, you know, a couple of years after the Black Death had uh, finished, you'd go for a walk through the countryside. You might walk through a village and there were just corpses everywhere. Because the whole village had died and nobody had buried any of the bodies. Ridiculous. And people make the mistake of thinking that the Black Death was a one-off event. The first recorded plague from the bacterium Yersinia pestis is actually uh, called the Plague of Justinian. And I deliberately didn't mention it last week. And yes, mm. this killed millions of people and had a massive impact in the course of human history. So that was in the 500s AD in Byzantium. During the Middle Ages, there were outbreaks of the plague almost every decade in Europe, and it became just part of life. The last major outbreak took place in Marseille in 1720, but there were still outbreaks of the plague into the mid-19th century, when around 10 million Chinese lives were lost to the plague outbreak, and there were outbreaks in San Francisco and Sydney as late as the start of the 20th century. Mm. Um, So when you look at it in this context, um, disease pandemics are rife throughout history, and they're often really, really horrible. Um, as is well known, and we've joked about this heartily on many occasions during this podcast, because it's such a funny topic, European old world diseases absolutely smashed the Americas, the New World, and places like Australia and New Zealand. Um, some experts have gone as far as to say that 95% of Native American deaths were the result of old world diseases such as flu, cold, smallpox, measles, those sort of things. And away from the Americas, around half the pop, around around 50% of Aboriginal Australians were killed by smallpox when the continent was first colonised by, by, by Europeans. So there you have it, a quick whiz through with some, mm. some stats just to give some gruesome context for coronavirus. So don't moan about not being able to get to the gym, unless you've had someone die. And also we're going to do a Tom and Sam That Was Genius historical bodyweight workout series. Oh God, do we have to? Every fucker's doing it. Absolutely, but is anyone there doing it? So but many... is anyone doing it with trebuchets, Tom? Is anyone doing it with trebuchets? <laughs> <laughs> well, mine's swinging freely at the moment. Um... <laughs> Barely an onager what you've got down there, Tom. Barely an onager. <laughs> I'm so fed up of seeing people on Instagram doing squats and lunges. And look, here's a workout you can do at home. You it's were a personal squats. trainer for the last and five years. You spent your I entire know. life telling people to do squats and lunges. I know, but I didn't have it flooded all over the bloody Instagram. Oh, a squat. Oh, a lunge. Look, you can still do squats and lunges. Even though you're working at home, you can still do a squat and a lunge. Here's a lunge and a squat. Look, you can do the lunge backwards as well as forwards. Fuck off with your squats and lunges. Just chill out. I like the bloke. I like the real hardcore fitness fanatics. You know, the guys who go, you know, I'm PT, PT Brad. 
and I, I post pictures of myself looking buff every day, uh, who are now stuck at home and can't get to the gym, who are just fucking, rather than just eating a bit of cake for a couple of months and getting a little bit fat and just chilling out, they're doing all these stupid fucking exercises to try and keep their goons. Anyway, <laughs> rant over. Fed up of seeing people fucking squatting and lunging. So, <laughs> so the That Was Genius Fitness DVD is available in all good shops now. You can also download it on Amazon, in which Tom does nothing but squats and lunges whilst whinging about other people doing squats and lunges. <laughs> just like just like all of those people out, out run by bog roll, whinging about everyone else who's already got their first and stolen all the bog roll. Absolutely, all yes. <laughs> the hypocrisy is rife, isn't yes. it, at the moment? Yeah, Tom's actually just... The, the difference here is that Tom's going to be doing squats, lunges and burpees whilst wearing Lorca's Segmata, the traditional uh, Roman armour as depicted in all Hollywood films. <laughs> While Sam's doing it uh, dressed as a Byzantine catrafact or heavy cavalryman. So... <laughs> covered, covered in hobnobs. Covered in if hobnobs. to yeah. last, week's, <laughs> last week's episode. Good throwback. Good throwback to last week's episode. <laughs> With just a couple of chocolate buttons over his nipples. <laughs> <laughs> and a little chocolate starfish. <laughs> little? As if. <laughs> like a chocolate starfish with its tongue out. It's disgusting. <laughs> it's more of a giant squid, Tom. More of a giant squid. <laughs> Seldom spraying, seen. Seldom spraying. seen. But once you do see it, you don't forget it. <laughs> Occasionally, a Japanese fisherman will take a photo with it looking very proud, but really there's very little evidence it exists at all. <laughs> Occasionally seen wrestling with a giant whale. <laughs> <laughs> this is disgusting. Yep, even by our standards. Right. That, uh, moving on, on to, my, on to the main topic of today, for me. The Thirty Years' War. Now, this is a cracker, Sam, because a period between 1618... That's a twist, that's a... That's a- Flip around, isn't it? Thirty Years' War, yep. Yeah. So, but the period between 1618 and 1648, the Thirty Years' War, in continental Europe was really not a very nice oh, time to be, well, to be alive. you don't want to be in continental Europe. Jesus. <laughs> Dysentery everywhere. Well, <laughs> yeah. we'll come on to that. It's one of the most miserable periods in history. It sounds terrible. like it. Not much going for it at all. Shit really everywhere. rather <laughs> sloppy crap. Yeah, <laughs> the incontinent Europe... <laughs> Sorry, cheap, cheap blow, cheap joke. The, the norovirus epidemic of 1618. <laughs> so I've already talked for a long time, so I'm going to sort of summarise quite a lot here. The Thirty Years' War started, as all super devastating wars should, as an argument about the right way to worship an imaginary deity and live your life to please him. Yes, it was a war that started with Protestants and Catholics arguing. So, in 1619, what? I know, Les Ferdinand II became Holy Roman Emperor and <laughs> decided that everyone should be a good Catholic like him because he was great and always right and perfect and Ferdinand II was amazing and everyone should be like him. Since 1555 and the Peace of Augsburg, the semi-autonomous regions of the Holy Roman Empire could choose to be Protestant, Lutheran at the time, so most Protestants were Lutheran, or Catholic. The Holy Roman Empire, incidentally, at this time, and I mentioned this earlier in the podcast when you referred to Spanish Netherlands, mm. was a very, very odd entity, the Holy Roman Empire. It was like a super state made up of lots of other little states. 
And I will also come on to the Habsburg dynasty, which links into why there was the Spanish Netherlands a little bit later. Anyway, lines were soon drawn between the Catholic regions and the Protestant regions, and fight broke out. Like in the playground, a fight broke out between two kids, and then all the other kids started getting jealous and excited. Someone shouts bundle, and before you know it, there's a huge pile of boys having a good scrap. As it turns out, Gustavus Adolphus, king of Sweden, was the boy who shouted bundle. Sweden wanted (laughs) to protect Protestants in the northern areas of the Holy Roman Empire, and Adolphus also wanted a good scrap too. As it turns out, he was a very good fighter and a pioneering military commander that influenced military commanders right up until Napoleon, I think. I think Napoleon was heavily influenced by Gustavus Adolphus. I could be completely wrong. Anyway, nobody will know. The Spanish then saw an opportunity to tighten control of the Netherlands. Yes, I know, confusing, isn't it? Here we get onto it. Why would the Spanish be interested in a country so far away from them? Well, okay, it's to do with the bloody Habsburgs, a medieval dynasty that... Oh, the bloody Habsburgs. The bloody Habsburgs. This was a medieval dynasty, probably probably the biggest medieval dynasty of, of nobles, kings, emperors queens princesses princes etc and incidentally all of those people marry each other they do that's how they did it they built a huge and confusing empire through marriage yes Um, usually to each other and their own sisters yep yep keeping it in the family yep we are family (laughs) marrying my brothers and me oh oh yeah so that was the Habsburgs yep (laughs) As it turns out, the Holy Roman Empire and Austria were also Habsburg, and France thought, fuck this, we're not being encircled by these bloody Habsburgs, and so they decided to get stuck in two on the side of the Protestants. Yep. Very confusing. I Honestly, um, have you ever looked into this, Sam? Have you ever looked into this period of history in the Habsburgs? No, not really. I mean, I make fuck, lots of jokes confusing. about the Habsburgs and their inbreeding. But, but beyond that, no. It's very, very, very confusing. The Holy Roman Empire in this period is, yeah, it's, it's complex. Anyway, what ensued was a colossal bundle, which at times included England, Scotland, Denmark, Norway, Russia, and the Ottoman Empire. So it was almost a, it was a world war. It, it, it has a feel of the First World War to it. Anyway, why was this period of history so shitty? The war ranks as one of the most destructive in history. The area now called Germany was particularly badly hit. Not only were there battles and general military nastiness, but there were plagues, disease, famines, bankruptcy, marauding mercenaries, devastated towns, the works. Uh, It just wrecked continental Europe. And the pandemics that occurred during the war were exacerbated by the sheer amount of movement. So troops and refugees were moving everywhere. And the refugees and the soldiers were also living in close quarters with questionable sanitation, as you could easily imagine. Mm. So there were outbreaks of plague, typhus, dysentery and scurvy. Arr. Arr. <laughs> the pesky scurvy. Did they not have any limes, Tom? Nor did they have any sauerkrauts. <laughs> Although where there were little, there were lots of sauerkrauts, but there was no sauerkraut, you know. No. Why, Tom, tell me why the narrator has suddenly become Irish. <laughs> <laughs> well... Isn't the, well, did you have is, some vitamin C now? Isn't the, <laughs> isn't the pirate accent now quite Irish anyway? Arr, Arr. It? No, it's a, it's a West Country oh, accent. Well, can't we just get on here, Pike? Why are we always making people walk the bank? Why can't we let bygones be bygones and just, you know, have a nice knees up? Some areas of Germany lost between half to two thirds of their population. And to make things worse, 
there was a major outbreak of witch hunting around the same time, probably, like you said, because of stresses on society. And uh, I just can't help but think this is a really good um, thing to do when everyone has already got their backs up against the wall. Let's all stick together, get through this, and have a witch hunt at the same time. <laughs> what are you going to do when you really want to dance? When your backs up against the wall? Have a witch hunt up against the wall. Ooh, baby. <laughs> I don't even know that song. <laughs> get down on it. Get, get down on it. Get, get, get Light that down bonfire. on fire. Light that bonfire. There we go. The reason I yeah, there we go. The reason I didn't know the rest of that song is because it's not used in quite as many sofa adverts as the chorus. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yes, yes. So there were witch hunts as well. So a really, really, really horrible period in history. So when you're sitting at home in self isolation, um, watching Netflix, thinking this is really boring. Ah, it could be a lot worse. Uh, but to finish, I'd like to talk about a particularly odd and silly event that led to the 30 years war called the third de- de- <laughs> let me start that again but to finish but to finish I'd like to talk about a particularly odd and silly event and now that's merged into bottom <laughs> <laughs> Eddie why Eddie. have we been at war for 30 years I don't know but to finish I'd like to talk Do you know what? a particularly Actually, odd Richard <laughs> Richard Richard and Eddie Hitler sounds very much like I imagined the Habsburg sounded. <laughs> they did, actually, didn't they? <laughs> Hello! I'm well, going to go and ask advice of my wife, the Queen Consort, who also happens to be my mother-in-law. Oh, it's a very confusing family tree. Uh, uh, yes. Anyway, um, this particularly odd and silly event that led to the Thirty Years' War was called the Third Defenestration of Prague. Ah. Now, this caught my eye during my research because I remember coming across the word defenestration at university when studying one of the Crusades, and it made me laugh yes. back then. Do you know what it means? Yes, I do, because it was also a very popular punishment, quote-unquote, <laughs> uh, in the Cold War. People who was were it? naughty would, would accidentally, accidentally get knocked out of windows. <laughs> yes. So for listeners, defenestration is an actual word, means to be killed by being thrown out of a window. Yes. How niche is that? It's a great word. It's, I mean, you say niche, it's actually, throughout history, a very common form of murder. Well, that's what's so funny about it. <laughs> uh, because... It sounds very grand, doesn't it? The third defenestration of Prague. But basically what we're saying is the third time we threw some blokes out the window. Hey. <laughs> it's happened twice before. It was great fun, so we thought we'd do it a third time. <laughs> we picked them up, we opened the window, and then we went... birthday. It was his birthday, so we decided to give him some bumps right out of the fucking window. <laughs> B- birthday, break your neck. Hey. Hey. Oh, who's next up? Who's next up? A celebratory splat. <laughs> After a celebratory splat in Prague. <laughs> As mentioned, the Thirty Years' War broke out because Protestants in the Holy Roman Empire were having their freedoms removed, particularly by Ferdinand II. On May the 23rd, 1618, four senior Catholic noblemen representing Ferdinand, Holy Roman Empire and also King of Bohemia, amongst other things, met senior Protestant noblemen backed by a mob who were upset because the construction of Protestant chapels had been stopped by Ferdinand and the land had been given to Catholics. These Protestant noblemen had earlier started a protest rally outside Prague Castle and it was creating quite a scene. After all, they were (laughs) Protestants. Oh. (laughs) 
The Catholic noblemen were interrogated by the Protestant noblemen who were wanting to see who was complicit in Ferdinand's plans to stop the construction of the Protestant chapels. The Protestant noblemen decided to let a couple of the Catholics, uh, Catholic noblemen go because they were nice blokes and they actually weren't that involved. And they kept three of the hardline Catholics in the room, a chap called William Slavata and Jaroslav Martinich, with their secretary, Philip Fabricius. And do you know what you do with three people who were responsible for eroding your right to practice your religion freely? You throw them out of the third floor window of Prague Castle. Very good at, get, very good at getting rid of smells as well. Just spray some Philip Fabricius around. <laughs> Fabricius. Get rid, of the stench, get rid of the stench of Catholics. <laughs> spray some Fabricius. <laughs> stench of Protestants. Stench of, sorry, stench of Protestants. <laughs> so, it's late and I'm drunk. I'm swinging wildly. This is much like me playing actual sports. I'm just swinging my bat wildly and seeing what hits. <laughs> See what you hit. Hoping it isn't another. Hoping it isn't, a, isn't your doubles partner. <laughs> sorry, <It's>, sorry, Tom. <laughs> you whack. Um, anyway, the three people that got thrown out the window actually survived bizarrely. And, There's uh, a ground floor window. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Largely yeah, a basement. show execution. <laughs> they actually had to climb. <laughs> <laughs> the, cla- the Catholics claimed it was due to angels softening their landing, while the Protestants claimed retrospectively that it was because they landed on a pile of dung. Um, <laughs> angels dung? It could, angels that could be God's own shit. The Lord, the Lord doesn't shit, Sam. We know the Lord is higher and mightier than that. No. <laughs> Philip Fabricius <laughs> was later given the title Baron of Highfall by the Emperor. Oh. Hello, I'm the Emperor, and I've got a funny one for you. <laughs> you, Philip Fabricius, you fell out of a window. And I am going to call you Baron of Highfall because you fell from a height. <laughs> and your friends, I am going to call the Count of Mount Pooh. <laughs> good one, isn't it? <laughs> yes, good one. Absolutely. And Sir doesn't die a lot. <laughs> not because you don't like dyeing your clothes. No. Not because you don't like playing dice games. No. <laughs> <laughs> Although you do, you like both of those. By the way, that's a very nice tie-dye ruff you've got on. <laughs> oh dear. On the subject of silly names, I also came across in my research a wonderful couple of Habsburg nobles. There was Philip the Handsome. <laughs> Having seen pictures of the Habsburgs, no. <laughs> Three eyes and gills. So Philip the Handsome. <laughs> yes. Philip the Handsome, also also a little bit like Kevin Costner from Waterworld, and um, they, he married Joanna the Mad, <laughs> who just had incest-related bonkersness. Yes. He was busy at a nunnery going around biting people. <laughs> yes. So Philip the Handsome and Joanna the Mad, who genuinely was mad, and Philip the Handsome, who was ironic, he was ugly. <laughs> well, you don't want to call um, Joanna the Mad... You don't. You don't want to. Yeah, you're not going to say. No, you don't. You don't want to piss her off. You You don't. don't. You just don't. You don't want to do that. (laughs) Never do that. No. (laughs) Turns out, I'm going to put this out there, Tom. Turns out, podcasting slightly drunk is not a great, (laughs) not a great look for me. (laughs) 
I think this is an experiment we won't be repeating. <laughs> well, you will be tomorrow morning. I've <laughs> <laughs> only had one beer and one whiskey, but it seems to have slightly dulled my usual razor sharp. Well, I said my usual blunt wit. <laughs> oh dear! Excellent. <laughs> So that was my that was my piece. That was my piece. Fantastic. Very very good. I was also good. Yeah. I've got... Oh whatever. <laughs> go on, go on. Well, We've I got just, time. We want to make money out of this, don't we? We want to actually be able to pay our bills. We uh, would love to be able to pay our bills. Yes. That's the ultimate objective here. But nobody wants to advertise with us, presumably because we make lots of <laughs> rude <laughs> jokes. And do Indian accents. For some reason, yes. corporations don't want to be associated with that. Absolutely, I... yeah. I mean, I've pitched us really fucking hard to the Samaritans. And it was a hard <laughs> pass, Tom. It was a hard pass. But anyway, I thought we could start doing our own adverts. Oh, good, yeah. Um, Just maybe inserting them in. So I've got this one's read by David Ginola. Um, <laughs> wow! 90s Whoever, whoever's advertising this is on a budget. <laughs> <laughs> is it for double glazing? As <laughs> <clears throat> the smell of aspiration, the odor of belief, remove self-doubt with a sniff of the snout. Everest by Maurice Wilson, a perfume for men. With pop and up we go. <laughs> nice. That's a that I, well. That's a wonderful throwback. But we now we need to episode fifty-two. Oh, he's got it written down. The consummate professional. Yes, episode fifty-two. Morris Wilson, the mad Englishman who tried to crash land on Everest and become the first man to climb it. Yes, very and he's good. Now selling his own perfume. There you go. Uh, yes. <laughs> Erd insanity, momentary madness from Maurice Wilson. Ascent. By Maurice Wilson. Oui. <laughs> faith. By Maurice Wilson. <laughs> because you've got to have faith. Uh, well, a very, a very okay. good advert. Well done. Thank you. There you go. I'd, I'd put that together. Wonderful. I will try and do some more for next week. <laughs> are, we, are we free to choose the topic next week now? Oh, well, I think we've done... Well, we have had some audience suggestions, so I'll go through them and we might do some of them but not if next... they link into my source. If they, if yes, we might do one of them if Tom's pre-prepared source allows it. <laughs> <laughs> so the suggestions we've had, and these are suggestions from our friend Eric in Seattle. He was he was the one responsible for that epidemic in 1956, wasn't it? Stay inside, Eric. There's dangerous glass flying around. So Eric has suggested, in this order, deception. For example, uh, the events leading up to D-Day, which, I mean, they themselves are quite well known, the big D-Day we deceptions. Have, we've discussed that as well, haven't we? The uh, in the sex dolls that were spread around we, the fields we, of Southern We England. have, yes. Absolutely. That was, that was the episode Vanging um, for Victory, wasn't yep. it? <laughs> <laughs> yep, absolutely we have. Great episode. But, but deception could be a really good one because we've also done episode number one, in fact, we covered uh, the Great Deception, didn't we, with uh, with old Warty Fabian? Oh, did was that deception? Was that that was individuals, wasn't it? But that was uh, that was war heroes, yes. And, that uh, wasn't deception so much as avoid cowardice, yeah. <laughs> tactical cowardice from faith. Yes, <laughs> but deception. I think overall deception's an interesting one. Yeah, uh, I think that could be a good one. I think have be a very good one. Spouses. He also suggested we've just done sidekicks, so maybe that one can wait a couple of weeks. Spouses, wasn't it? It was incompetent spouses, but I think that makes it a bit a little bit tricky. So maybe just spouses, and they can be incompetent if we can find a good incompetent one. Maybe. Yep. Hoaxes. 
which we've kind of again we've touched on hoaxes a bit, but I quite like it's it. Good fun, yeah, it's good fun. We could do that one again. Yeah. Um, so we've three more to look forward to in weeks to come, I think. But I don't know, Tom. I'm, I've gone. I've got a complete mind blank. If only someone. Okay. If only someone had an idea for a topic, Tom. I know that would that would come up with a funny source. Yes. Um. Let's go for travelers. Can we do travelers? Travelers. Or could we do entertainers? Which would you prefer? Oh, so when you say travelers slash entertainers, are you thinking kind of carnival folk? Yeah, carnies, <laughs> circus folk. Smell a little bit like cabbage. Okay. <laughs> yes, good Austin Powers reference. I'm glad you, you got in there before I could remember the quote. Beautiful. Um, okay, let's do. Uh, well, let's do travelers. That leaves it wide open, doesn't it? Excellent. Travelers, it is. Perfect. Okay. Well, it's probably time to say goodbye. So we will see you next week for. A wonderful journey. And we're going to do a little side episode, little, just a little mini episode, where we talk about all of the things that you've sent us with suggestions for keeping yourself entertained whilst you're locked inside. Good history podcast and that kind of thing. So thank you to everyone who has sent one of those in. Right, I think it's probably time to say goodbye. Say goodbye, Tom. Goodbye. And it's goodbye from me. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>